Well, for today, we're going to talk about the only begotten Son. We're told in John 3.16 that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. But do we really know what those words mean? Only begotten Son. Listen to those words again we've heard and quoted so many times. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. One simple verse with such simple words. But at the same time, those simple words are truly profound. Words that do literally tell us most all that we need to know about God, about His blessed Son, and about our eternal future. Simple, but so very precious. But folks, though those words are simple, they still do have mysteries intertwined within their meaning. And it's God's desire that you and I not leave those mysteries veiled or obscure within our minds. Not at all. God wants you and me to step on forward and get to know the blessed Lord Jesus. To truly know Him. And as He tells us in the Scriptures, to love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love Him back for all that He has done for us. And you and I should give everything that we have within us to do exactly that. And that's why it is so good and right for you and me to spend all these many hours of study and of listening and of learning. I say that to you because I told you that as I work to prepare these messages, I will spend 10 to 12 hours so that I can give you 20 to 30 minutes worth of His truth. But let me assure you, I get so much more out of this message perhaps than you do because I do spend those 10 to 12 hours. And I would be delighted to know that you also leave here and go back and study these same words all during this next week to put in those hours of study because that's the right thing for us to do. It is good and it is right for you and me to spend many hours of study and listening and learning. So today, may we spend our time considering some of those blessed mysteries, those attributes of the Lord Jesus that you and I don't have, but He does, and He wants us to know about them. How while, yes, Jesus is like you and me in most ways, at the same time, and in mysterious ways, He's really very, very different from us. Beginning with those first moments of his life with the manner in which he was conceived in his mother's womb. Just as John 3.16 here tells us, he was begotten of the Father. Here in the book of Luke, God tells us about the very beginning days of his only begotten son as he came in to live on the earth. Chapter 1, listen. Chapter 1, verse 26 of the book of Luke. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who will be born will be called the Son of God. The Son of God. 
And then in chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. As I mentioned to us a moment ago, as we read and as we consider these words of Scripture that tell us about this miraculous birth of our Lord, we really can't help but note all the many differences that there are between this precious baby Jesus and all the other babies that have been born on the earth. And there truly are many, many differences, more than we could ever know. And it seems that most all of those differences have their origin within that special mystery of Mary having conceived the baby Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit while she was still a virgin. And at the heart of that mystery is an even deeper one. It's a mystery that declares that this baby Jesus was the only begotten of the Father. And that word begotten, it's strange to our common vocabulary today. Seldom ever used by us. I probably never used that word except in this context. But here in this circumstance, the word has a very special, unique, and mysterious meaning. While in other portions of these scriptures, the Greek words that are referring to the birth of an ordinary child are begat and beget and begotten. This particular reference to Jesus being begotten of the Father doesn't have the exact same meaning. Yes, Jesus was born as a baby. And at that moment in time, his human body had its beginning. But at the same time, the essence of his eternal nature and being had no real beginning. It did not begin there. Jesus was eternal, ever and always one with the Father and one with the Holy Spirit. And in that sense, the reference to Jesus being begotten it speaks much more fully about how his essence, his eternal essence, was begotten into the womb of this ordinary woman, Mary, than it does the simple birthing of a child. Now, I recognize that that explanation falls woefully short of, of adequately explaining the mystery of how Jesus was begotten as a father. But it does, for me, at least, give some small glimpse into who Jesus is in his eternal nature. But with that being said, with that being said, maybe go back then and visit some of these scriptures that tell us about this mysterious and miraculous birth. We've already spoken at length about why the virgin birth took place and why it was so absolutely necessary that Mary be a virgin. And we've done that over two or three messages in the recent past. But let me repeat those words again because this miraculous truth bears repeating over and over again so that we have its clear meaning. Again, these scriptures 
tell us that as Mary conceived the baby Jesus in her womb, it was not by ordinary human means, but rather she conceived because God overshadowed her. Listen to these words again. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. But what do these words mean? That God overshadowed Mary, and she conceived this child in her womb. The definition of these words in the Greek lexicon gives this sense of meaning of being completely engulfed in a shadow. But knowing that God is light, beyond any understanding that we might have of light, we know that the overshadowing is not darkness, but rather it is a glorious power and brilliance bringing about the purpose that God intends the conception of his son to be. In verse 31 of Luke chapter 1, the angel said to Mary, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. Folks, God's Holy Spirit completely enveloped the Virgin Mary, filled her heart, her soul, her mind, and her body with his holy presence and his power. And she conceived the baby Jesus in her womb. Now, here's similar to the ordinary manner in which baby embryos are formed naturally within the womb of a woman. The embryo of the baby Jesus was formed when part of the woman, the Virgin Mary, was combined with part of God himself to bring about this miraculously new and different being. Think about that, folks. Think about that. That was an event that has never taken place before in all of human history and will never take place again. Part of God himself combined with this part of a woman to bring forth this son. I don't understand that, but I do accept it. It is true because these scriptures tell us and the Holy Spirit ministers it to my own heart. And so I know that this is true. Mary's part of this embryo was a created part, but not so with the part that came from God. That part was holy and it was eternal. From everlasting to everlasting. It was God begetting himself in human form within the womb of Mary. And so that you and I might be able to grasp with some understanding of what was taking place. God called his new human self Jesus. The son of the most high God. Now yes, other miraculous births have taken place. And still do. Births by which... God opens the womb of a woman to enable her to become pregnant by natural means that had taken place with Mary's relative Elizabeth so that she could bear the baby John. And that was truly a miracle of sorts, but not like this one. Not like this one with the baby Jesus. Elizabeth's son, John, was conceived and would be born filled with all of the same genetic blessings and curses that are passed along naturally through every human conception and birth. Listen, Zechariah passed along all of his genetic predispositions, including that special genetic flaw that is present within all men, a carnal sin nature. But that was not so with the baby Jesus. He was different. He was not conceived by men, 
but by the Holy Spirit. And he was conceived in the womb of a virgin who had never had any relations with a man. And because of that, Jesus would have none of the genetic flaws of a sin nature passed along to him. Folks, let me say again that we men have within the core of our being a devastatingly corrupt genetic predisposition towards sin. And we pass that genetic predisposition along to every child that we bring forth. And all of those dear little babies born to us receive a full measure of our corrupt sin nature. Yes, our little babies start off very innocent. But innocence does not mean freedom from that hidden genetic defect of sin nature. It is simply there. And it will later then grow into its full-blown condition. And it will ultimately take control over every child's personality and behavior. It is absolutely inevitable. And no, we don't like to think such things as that, especially as we look into the face of our innocent little babies. And most of the world does not accept what I've just said is truth, what these scriptures present to us as truth, especially this new world that we have of liberal psychology. They most often believe that every person is basically good and that if we will only release that good within them, then everything will be wonderful. They believe that bad behavior is simply a learned personality disorder that can be corrected with some behavior modification. They do not believe that there is a force of evil present within us that brings about our bad behavior and that our sin nature is a corrupt part of that presence of evil. And folks, if you all have any doubt about that, please read Romans chapter 7 and observe how this godliest man on the face of the earth, the Apostle Paul, wrestled with this very thing. Folks, no matter how much we might want to believe all of those things that the world teaches, we really must not. We must not. For the sake of our little babies, we dare not believe it. We must instead believe and accept God's truth about these things. That each and every person is born into this life with a sin nature. And if that sin nature is left unchanged, that's John chapter 3, we will surely die eternally. If our sin nature that we are born with is left unchanged, we'll surely die eternally. But again, the baby Jesus was not conceived in the same manner that John the Baptist or even our own babies are conceived. Jesus was, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And because of that, he was not endowed with that destructive sin nature. And how do we know that? How do we know that for sure? Just listen to these simple words that I read from our text. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 35. And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Those simple words, that Holy One who is to be born, bespeaks having no sin within him. He is holy set apart from all sin. Folks, perfect holiness and sin cannot coexist together. Jesus was conceived and was born completely holy, without a sin nature. And he went on to live a sinless life. 
And because sin never entered into his being, Jesus was able then to later on become that perfect sacrifice for you are my sin. The Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Now before we conclude these thoughts on the virgin birth, I'd like for us to go back and even repeat a few of the thoughts that I've already mentioned about this special word begotten. God uses the word begotten in a very special and intentional way so that we might clearly understand that the baby Jesus was truly not conceived within Mary's womb in the natural way. And that word begotten bespeaks that. He was begotten of God. Begotten, not developed, as a regular embryo develops. As the Westminster Confession of Faith tells us, Begotten, not created, and begotten, not made. Yes, his flesh, his body mechanism was made in the same manner as ours, but the essence, the essence of who Jesus was was different. A new and human flesh, but with a mysteriously eternal spirit that had no beginning and had no end. As the Holy Spirit entered into Mary's body and combined the person of God with the flesh of Mary to beget the baby Jesus. Something completely new and unique was formed. There in Mary's womb, God combined the nature of limited human flesh with the timeless and boundless nature of the infinite God. And the two together became the eternal Savior of all mankind. All of the other men born on this earth had a moment of beginning. Adam, all the way back in the Garden of Eden, had a moment of beginning. We read there where God first breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. But not so with the Lord Jesus. His beginning existed from all eternity past. He had no beginning, and he had no end. We're told that in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Listen, He was in the beginning with God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The person of Jesus was eternal from the beginning, coexistent with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit forever and ever. And it was only as He commingled his eternal being with our finite flesh and lived among us and then shed his blood that we might live. That the full extent of the meaning of this mysterious word begotten is revealed to us. No human being in themselves could be pure and holy enough to become that Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. It took God himself joining with human flesh to become this Holy One, that perfect Lamb begotten of the Father. No person before and no person afterward could make that claim. Listen to these words as we close. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then He gave us this testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. And listen to these words. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God 
does not have life. Folks, those words are the most important words we will ever hear. I know how thankful we should be for the blessed gift of eternal life that can only come to us through this only begotten Son of God. Because he who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Let's pray.